Hi everyone, welcome back to For the Girls. We have a Monaco recap for you all. I don't know about you, but it felt good to have a weekend with racing, waking up on Sunday, watching the race, hanging out, seeing everything that happened. And I think we all have different thoughts on how Monaco delivered. So we will jump right into that. I'm Chessa. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Sarah. Wow. Okay. Monaco really delivered this year from the amazing (laughs) quality to the race and the rain. We had so much to digest and entertain us. Really, the only thing for me that could have made it better would have been a different pole sitter and a different winner. But (laughs) as we know, the only certainties in life are (laughs) death, taxes, and Max Verstappen winning everything. (laughs) But (laughs) we will dive into the rain, all the pit stop strategies and madness. But the highlights for me were definitely Ocon's podium. I am so happy for him and the team. We'll talk all about that. Monaco, just in general, making its case for a forever track. And then Mercedes and Aston Martin being one point apart. We'll get into Mercedes upgrades and the polarity of Fernando and Lance and all of that. But yeah, yeah, on the other side, it was a really sad weekend for Checo. It widens the gap between him and Max. But I'm still holding out hope for some meaningful competition between them. We'll just have to see. But yeah, great race all around. Awesome weekend. So much to talk about. Well, I appreciate the fact that you say that that Checo might still have it in him. <laughs> For me, that was just like the disappointment of the weekend. Um, but I will have to hand it to Max. For me, like I think my sort of thoughts have developed around Max and they are this. He's so good. <laughs> he is superb. He takes the win, takes the pole, takes the victory every time because he's so good less so because of like other circumstances. So I'll have to hand it to him. And then overall, just disappointed with Checo. And then, yeah, I think quality was really exciting. The rain spiced up what would have been an otherwise kind of boring race. And I'm excited. I think Monaco was really stepping up to the plate. MVPs? Okay. I can't not give it to Ocon. I'm just so happy for him, like I said, for the team. We talked about the CEO comments a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I feel like they needed this one and not only did they need it and like there was rain there was drama like Ocon really deserved that podium he pulled out an amazing lap in quali he had a great race like kept his cool even when signs was like coming at him from behind and hitting him and all of that like really really happy and well deserved so I'm giving it to Ocon. Yeah this is like it was like one of those sort of like surprising podiums that are always good to have a surprise podium but it's even better when it's not a surprise podium because of someone else's mistake or a crazy red flag or something like that totally. or a DNF. So good for him. Um, my MVP is is McLaren. I think Woo. considering how Miami went for them, they had a good weekend, had a little bit of pace um, and quality, and they both finished in the points. So I'm happy for them. Okay, yeah. LVP, mine is, mine is Checo. I can't believe I would ever say that. But it's <laughs> just like – it was an unforced driver error. Not happy about that. And then my second LVP is Yuki being mean on the on the mm. radio to his team. We have not seen that from him in a while, and that was um, pretty explosive. Yeah, for me, I'm gonna give it to Stroll. I think yeah. it's hard to hide poor results when your teammate has been on podium literally every race. Like being knocked out in Q2, having collisions on lap one. He, I think, hit the wall an estimated five times before he had to retire the car. (laughs) Like, to be fair, he did say he had brake problems, but he's 66 points behind Alonso this season. And like, theoretically, they're in the same car. So it's just, it's not a great look. 
<laughs> Alonso's like really the Hail Mary saving grace for Aston this year. I know, but then it also exposes like Stroll needs to step it up. <laughs> I know. Um, okay, what about hot takes? Okay, I really, really thought I was going to hit jackpot during quali. It looked certain that Alonso was going to take right it. Right the I end. <laughs> I said Alonso would win this one. It was so close and that we'll talk about that insane lap for Max, but – P2 for him. I'll take that. Pretty good. Best result of the season for him so far. So I'll, I'll take that as a half. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you you can take it. Take that. For me, I cannot take it. I had a Ferrari comeback. It's, it's like I think we need to stop manifesting anything good for Ferrari and then maybe they'll prove us wrong. But yeah, not great <laughs> for them. Neither of them were in the top five. Yeah, they were frustrated all around. Yeah. Uh, the curse continues for Charles, which we will talk about. Um, okay, let's jump into practice before we get into the race. So for FP1, pretty average session with the exception of a red flag when Hulkenberg ran into the wall at turn 13. So it ended with signs in P1, three-tenths up on Alonso P2, and then Hamilton in P3. So that's when we were like, oh, okay, like maybe Ferrari can look pretty strong. Um, for FP2, we had Max P1, then Leclerc and signs. Um, and Sainz would hit the wall at turn 15 and slid into the barriers at turn 16. So even though he was P3 there, he did bring out a round of red flags. And then we had another round of red flags in FP3. Overall, though, close up top with the Red Bulls. Max was only 0.07 up on Checo. And then we had Stroll in P3. So we had a little bit of a moment where we're like, okay, Stroll, Aston Martins, let's go. And then... <laughs> K-Mag had power issues, brought out the virtual safety car, and then Hamilton ended the session early with the red flags when he crashed at turn five. <laughs> I want to amend my earlier statement that the only certainties in life are death, taxes, Max Verstappen winning, and red flags at Monaco. <laughs> yeah. I love session. our like hot takes um, question box on Instagram. A lot of you said, like, no red flags is a hot take. I thought that was cute. <laughs> oh, no, we need alas. red flags at Monaco. Otherwise, I'll fall asleep. Yeah, exactly. So for quali, as we know, quali, super important in Monaco. To put this in perspective, no one has won at Monaco from outside the top three on the grid since 1996 when Oliver Penis won from 14th, which is actually the first Frenchman to stand on the podium uh, in Monaco until Ocon just did. So that was a fun fact. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> yeah. nice. So for Love Q1... That. Started with the Red Bulls and Aston Martin looking very strong. Then about halfway, Mark Yuki came out of nowhere with a P1, and both McLaren slotted in ahead of him. So that was fun. At this point, Checo made an unforced error, as we talked about, lost control at Saint-Devot, slamming into the barriers and littering just debris kind of everywhere, brought out a red flag, pulled him out of qualifying. It was the third time he crashed during quali at Monaco in the second year in a row. This one, did I don't think there's the any, <laughs> yeah, also did not have any debates around was it purposeful or not because <laughs> it wasn't Big great. Accident. Yeah, um, there was a lot of traffic here. The traffic or the track is so narrow. So Signs actually made an interesting comment about this after the weekend's race, suggesting that the FIA should break Q1 into two groups to avoid a mess, similar how they do it for F2 and F3. So that's interesting. You'd have like heats, I guess. That's cool. So out in Q1, we had Logan Sargent, Magnuson, Hulkenberg, Joe, and Checo. 
Then for Q2, besides the Red Bulls and Alonso looking very strong here, the McLarens also held their own at the beginning. Lando did have a clip with the wall that sent him into the pits for repairs, but despite that, he was able to stay in the top 10. We just got to give a shout out to the team for turning his car around in that yeah, time for so Q3. Good. It was just it was just crazy. Piastri, unfortunately, was not able to make it. He missed Q3 by just 0.018 seconds. So, so like, effectively, he was in Q3. <laughs> <laughs> well, the field is so tight now. That's like, that's the what that's what it's it takes, crazy. those margins. So we had Piastri out, DeVries, Albon, Stroll, and Botas. Okay, Q3 was very exciting. Um, side note, I was taking the public bus at the point when we were watching Q3, <laughs> and I was trying so hard not to scream. And then I, the second I got off the bus, um, Tiggy, Sarah, and I like jumped on the phone. It was very, very exciting. And <laughs> we were like, all screaming. Yeah, it was like the last few minutes is basically as close as you get to like full-on race day excitement as you can get. It was amazing. So <laughs> basically, it was a back-and-forth battle between Max and Alonso for P1 kind of the whole the whole time. And at one point, um, Alonso said on the radio that he was, quote, pushing like an animal. And his engineer was like, yeah, man. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, but somewhere amidst all of this Max and Alonso back-and-forth, Ocon managed to slide in for a brief P1 lap time, which kind of gave us a glimpse of what was to come. The Ferraris were also pushing pretty hard here, looked like decent contenders, but then the entire session just came down to such an exciting last flying lap for Max when it looked like Alonso was going to take P1. So Max was behind Alonso's time for the first two sectors. And to keep in mind, like it's a short circuit length for um, Monaco compared to other tracks. So like one sector is much smaller than regular here. So Max was behind Alonso's time for the first two sectors. And then on the last sector, he just drove so perfectly that he beat Alonso by just eight hundredths of a second. That is the closest front row gap so far this season. And it was so cool to see. Like, I saw this graphic on Instagram afterwards, but it basically just like, it was a graphic like following both the racing line around the track for both drivers. And they have the exact same racing line and we're basically driving the exact same race, except for that Max just like on those tiny, like extra hard corners. And then that last sector just pulls it out of nowhere. It was so cool to see. Um, But anyway, so for quality in the end, we had Max P1. Then we had Alonso, Leclerc and Akon behind him. This is Akon's first ever top four start in the Alpine. And then to round out the top 10, we had Sainz, Hamilton, Gasly, Russell, Yuki, and Lando in P10. Yeah, this is so fun. I loved this quali. I also loved the top 10. I thought it was super, super exciting. Unfortunately, as we'll talk about, Charles got a (laughs) three-place grid penalty for impeding Lando in Q3, so that order did not stick. Um, But anyway, so for start of the race, main highlights, we'll talk about the rain drama before we get into the teams. So before the race started, like we said, bad news for Charles, three-place grid penalty for impeding Lando. So he went from P3 to start in P6, which just the curse continues for poor, poor Charles. I hope we get a new song out of this one. I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, M-O-N 1-3 or whatever. (laughs) Um, the race started great for Max, who was on e- uh, mediums. He was able to make a clean getaway from Alonso, who started on hards. But Alonso also had a really good start. He just was not on the right tires, unfortunately, to jump ahead. Ocon, also on mediums, managed to hold on to P3. So 
at the top, there was not a lot of change for the first while, but there was some drama around lap 10 when signs clipped the back of Ocon's car, as we mentioned, damaged signs's front left end plate, which ended up just falling off. It and, was like dangling. It looked so bad. Yeah. It looked like he would have to pit for a new front wing, but he stayed out instead. So the stewards did give him a black and white warning flag for unsportsmanlike behavior in that little collision. But it did take them so long to issue that. It's weird that they didn't give him the black and orange flag when his end plate was hanging on by a thread. So Yeah, and they they definitely should have given him the black and orange flag. Like there was a lot of I think Alonso and maybe another driver were like were radioing in being like, I'm afraid I'm gonna get a puncture. Oh, I think it was Lewis because the end plate was just on the track and they didn't do anything about it. So they just yeah. waited a while and then gave him an uns Again, the FIA needs to have like a little <laughs> bit more of like a solid playbook on how they're getting these flags. Yes. The race stayed pretty uneventful up until lap 45, which was when a lot of the drivers running in the top five, especially Max, were starting to struggle with their tires and were getting ready to make their uh, theoretical one pit stop of the race. Yeah. But <laughs> rain looked imminent. Uh, we were seeing on the you know pit walls, screens, the weather radars and stuff, and it just looked ominous. But the most drivers pitted. Only Verstappen, Alonso, Russell, and Russell hung on as long as they could. So then when the rain started coming down, it didn't seem too bad. George on the radio said it was just, quote, spitting, <laughs> which I, I like, think oh, means I <laughs> not raining a ton. Um, and then on lap 54, Alonso pitted for medium, so not wet tires, which was such a bummer. So after the rain started coming down much harder, most drivers were slipping, spinning like crazy, including Max and Alonso. Uh, and then they went in for inters. A lot of the drivers were using the runoff lane and they were just pulling K-turns like it was their <laughs> jobs. There's something no so novel about seeing F1 cars in reverse, I have to it say. Was, <laughs> it was such a mess. Just like the fact that, first of all, the fact that Max held on so long on mediums and then even did a few laps in the rain. But, like, as he was coming in for his inters, like, he definitely had a lot of close calls. It was just – it was a crazy mess out there. Um, but basically, yeah, so that's how it all went down. Alonso, Aston Martin, and we'll talk about this, did not think that the rain was going to be as consequential as, obviously, it ended up being. So they pitted him for mediums. Max was able to hold on for one extra lap and and get those – Inters. And then as that was happening, the rain started coming down harder. So a bunch of the drivers came in for for inter tires. So after all of the stops, Max led Alonso by over 15 seconds because at a certain point, Alonso had to go back in for inters when they realized the rain was going to be really strong. We had Akon in third ahead of Lewis and Russell. Then we had Gasly, Sainz, Yuki, and Lando rounding out that top 10. But this was just like a whole flurry of drama besides just the the fact that it was raining because everyone was like in and out of the pits here. There were some double stacks. Russell got a five second penalty for rejoining the track in an unsafe manner. He literally like bumped tires against Checo. Checo had a big slide. He went through the swimming pool chicane. Stroll spun out on the hairpin, one of his many bumps. (laughs) He lost his front wing here and ended up retiring. But in all of that drama, it ended up being kind of just what it was. It was just drama. Uh, Max was still able to pull clean ahead of Alonso, and eventually the rain ended up subsiding for the rest of the race. So at the end, we had Max in P1, Alonso in P2, Akon in P3, and then we'll talk about everyone else, but the rest of the top 10 was Hamilton, Russell, Leclerc, Gasly, Sainz, Norris, and Piastri. But 
Let's talk. What do we think about Alonzo's pit strategy to get through your <laughs> thoughts? I have thoughts. I don't think it cost him the race, honestly. I Agreed. think Max was too far ahead and Max is too dominant and it is Monaco. Like, even if Alonso had only pitted once, I don't think he would have won the race. I'm sure there's an argument to be made on the contrary, but I just don't don't think it would have been realistic. And Alonso said as much after the race, too. He was like, he defended his team. He was like, that's what we were seeing. We didn't know. Like, that's part of what rain is in Monaco, the drama of like, when's it coming? When's it stopping? You just never know. So I, I think it's a bummer he had to pit twice for sure, but he still was able to get P2. So I don't think... I don't think he would have made P1 even if even if he had only pitted once is my yeah. thought. And imagine if the rain did stop, he that would have been a sick call from Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do think it's it's kind of rare. So if we are, I think I agree with you too. Like I don't think that that strategy was what necessarily cost him P1, but I think we are in a rare situation if you're running basically in the top 5 and your team has that big of a quote like strategy blunder. It's rare where the team makes a strategy call that maybe is a mistake and it doesn't cost you a huge amount. Like for him, yeah. I think it could have been either way. So interesting there. Yeah, it's amazing to me that uh, he still ended up <laughs> in P2. I he think got that's, lucky. Yeah. that's awesome. But maybe that's yeah. kind of just like how Monaco is, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop there. Seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Women's health is so important, and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. 
Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. So, going by team, let's start with Red Bull. It could not have been a more polarizing experience for their two drivers this weekend. Max's usual domination, Checo's P20 start, no points finish. The wizardry, we already talked about it, but that Max pulled out in quality. It's just unmatched. I like somehow finding 0.3 seconds in the final and shortest sector of the lap to take pole, battling through the rain and strategy to claim a dominant win. It's his fourth win out of six races this season, a record-breaking win for the team too, because it's his 39th win with Red Bull. I don't think they've ever had a driver who's won oh that times with them. <laughs> so the records just keep piling on. And Jess, I agree with what you said at the beginning, like, Max is just incredible. No one can take that away from him. Like, it's not people continuing to mess up, although I feel like Checo could have put on a better show <laughs> this past weekend. But yeah, he just is that dominant, and we're going to get tired of saying it, but it's true. <laughs> as much Checo, as I hate to say it, I was yeah. like watching the race, just being like, oh, why, why, why? But I know. The pit in my stomach, like the, just my heart dropping and quality when I was like, yes, Alonso. And then I was like, Finally. no, Max. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Checo, on the other hand, as we said, crashed in quality, starting P20 for the race. And with a track like Monaco, it's hard to do much starting from that position. But even despite that, he just had a clumsy race all around. He made contact with people, made contact with the wall, pitted five times. It just was not it was not a good look. It's got to be hard starting P20 in Monaco because even if you just drive your little butt off, like I don't think you're going to make <laughs> it into the points. So no. that's a bummer. For Ferrari, another bummer. So not a great weekend for them. They were real hopeful that they were going to be contenders for a win over the weekend, but neither driver delivered in quality, even though they had shown some pace in practice. So we had Leclerc ending sixth here, Sainz finishing P8, and that's his worst result in Monaco since 2018. And I think for this race, we always want Leclerc, you know, to do well at his home race, but Sainz was the real hopeful for Ferrari here, and he just did not deliver. Um, And speaking of Charles and his curse, so people were really upset about that three-placed grid penalty he got, not because it was a bad call, but because they're saying that his race engineer should be fired because he should have told Mm. the owner to get out of the way and not impede Lando's flying lap in quality, which is kind of just crazy. Like the the Charles stands really coming out for that one. Like (laughs) who knows what was going on like over the team radio. Um, But anyways, that was a little tidbit of drama and news that came out of the race. But overall for Ferrari, the season is definitely just getting away from them now. They only have one podium in six races and the gap for third in constructors to Mercedes is almost 30 points now. So got to pull it together or else. Yeah, seriously. Meanwhile, for Mercedes, who is one point on Aston away from Aston Martin on their tail there, the long-awaited – I know. They're so I, quiet about it. a highlight for me. <laughs> I would love to see an Aston Martin-Mercedes battle for like the mo- most of the season. <laughs> I think it's great. 
The long-awaited upgrades were finally revealed, and as we discussed, even though Monaco isn't the best circuit to evaluate them, it does seem like they've finally taken a step in the right direction, and the consensus on the car is that they've taken inspiration more from Ferrari than from Red Bull, which is super interesting, and (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. Yeah, we had P4 for Hamilton. It was his best result in Monaco in a few years, and P5 for George, which He said he thought could have been a podium if he hadn't made the mistake of going down the escape road in the rain. So that was just a mistake on his part, but can't blame the guy. There was a lot going on in the rain. We, In terms of the car speed and the promise there, I think we'll really need to see the car in Spain to judge how it's stacking up against the Ferrari and Aston Martin since the rain and the pit stop timing and strategy really did Mercedes favors in Monaco this weekend. And I will say, like, Mercedes wasn't looking amazing during quali, um, but Toto did say that they're, they've, they think they have more of a race car than a quali car, which is going to be interesting. <sighs> but Toto also had a hilarious comment about the fact that both the Mercedes and Red Bull had their floors exposed to the world on the cranes. They were just, like, pirouetting in the air on the cranes. I have... We can talk more about that later, but I do yeah. love that Toto said <laughs> a race car, not a quali car. Like, if you're not a quali car, how can you be a race car? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, but Toto <laughs> about the the floor, he said, quote, I think they, as in Red Bull, had more to lose by showing their floor than ours, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. For Alpine, I'm so excited for them. Um, this is Ocon's only his third career podium. This is Alpine's first podium since 2021. So, Esti Besti, he was really just having a great <laughs> weekend. He really outperformed in quality. He got fourth fastest. He remember he was running P1 for a hot sack there, um, but it allowed him to line up P3 due to Leclerc's grid penalty, and that really did it for him. He deserves everything that came from the weekend with the craziness of the reins and then signs just dive bombing him, making contact from behind. He held his own. And then his radio after the race was very sweet. He was just like speechless, thanking everyone, kind of just like had no idea what was going on. He was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. (laughs) It was very it was very cute. And so Akon's podium combined with Gasly's quiet P7 is really what the team needed after the CEO um, was kind of gaslighting them a few weeks ago so really happy for him and really happy for Otmar yeah and the CEO was at the race he got a picture with Ocon seemed very happy so I don't know I don't know if his attitude is like I'm glad I said what I said because it really you know the message clearly came across and look what we got now or (laughs) if he's just silently letting that those comments slide no he'll take it I think I mean I don't know him but maybe yeah For McLaren, good weekend overall as we discussed. Points finish for both drivers in P9 and P10 is really great for them. Yeah, so that was exciting. I think McLaren needed that. Obviously, Alpine had an amazing weekend, so it's hard to talk about them, you know, in the same breath here, but really happy for the strides that McLaren is showing. And then if you didn't notice, McLaren ran a special one-off triple crown livery design for its 60th anniversary celebrations, which they will also have at the Barcelona Grand Prix. So the back is orange to celebrate the team's maiden Indy 500 winning car in 1974. The middle is white in a nod to Elaine Prost's 1984 Monaco Grand Prix winning car. And the front is black to symbolize the car that won the 1995 24 Hours of Le Mans. So very cool. It was really cool. Um, Sarah said that she liked it more 
than the regular one. I, I thought it was cool, but I'm always down for like the full papaya orange color. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. It was fun to see. It was fun to see something different. So for Alfa Romeo, another it's just been not a great season for them. Not great weekend for them. Botas finishing just out of the points in P11. Joe finishing P13. But at least for Botas, he has plenty of extracurriculars to keep him busy. We talked about one, him hosting that weekend <laughs> with Tiffany, with a chef and a private dinner and all of that. But in other news, he revealed that because Imola was canceled, he was like, okay, whatever. I have the free weekend. Let me just do an epic bike race. So he did this big bike race and he'd be a two-time Olympic gold medalist in the bike race. <laughs> That's insane. So, Bonas just continues to deliver. Yeah. I mean, like, is F1 even as his primary thing? Like, he's just, he's a true renaissance man when it comes when it comes to that. That's so funny. Wow. Good, yeah. good for him. <laughs> for Aston Martin, similar to Red Bull here, the weekend ran both ends of the spectrum for the team. On the Alonso side, he had a solid showing with a front row start and a veritable battle with Max throughout the race. Uh, we talked about the pit stop strategy. I think that was unfortunately just the call was the call. Still ended up in P2. So mm-hmm. that's, Yeah. We don't need to dive into that again. But <laughs> as for Stroll, he, like we said, had lots of mistakes, bumps with the wall, just continues to slip more and more behind his teammate. Like we said, 66 points at this point with only six rounds in. So that's pretty that's pretty tough to come back from. But I can't wait for silly season and just as the <laughs> 2024 seeds start to get filled, like yes. what's going to happen? Obviously, I think he'll stay given his position at the team and his dad, but – yeah. If he was I, any other driver. I know. I don't know. I mean, he did have he's he's had glimmers of excitement and good performance this season. So we'll see. We'll see. So rounding out the other teams, Alpha Tari. So again, not like a crazy amazing weekend for them, but DeVries had his best qualifying performance of the year here with P twelve. And then it was the first time Yuki has ever made it into Q three in Monaco. But sadly, like I said, no points for either of them. We had DeVries in 12th and Yuki finishing P15. And then to go off of my LVP, so Yuki, he lost it on the team on the radio. So basically Lando was pressuring him from behind. His engineer suggested he make up the pace via the braking zones. And he responded, I know, but this brake sucks. <laughs> and then when his engineer was like trying to give him another little nudge, he yelled, quote, are you trying to crash me or what? It was just like, Ugh. yeah sad i i I like i feel like the radio needs to be a place of positivity and encouragement um it's hard i get it when you're under pressure i definitely get it but yeah it's it's hard you know the whole world's hearing this like your team's doing your best yeah so rounding out the last two teams here not a great weekend for Haas. Hulkenberg was given a five-second penalty for his opening lap move on Sargent, which then turned into a 10-second penalty for failing to serve the first penalty correctly. Not as bad as like the string of Ocon penalties that we saw <laughs> that one race, but it was not great. Then K-Mag DNF'd after being the last driver to switch rain tires um, and have a brush with the barrier, so that was a bummer for them. And then for Williams, who is honestly a pretty boring race for the back <laughs> of the grid, even with the rain, and Albon, who finished P14, said he was, quote, just a bit bored washing the rear wing of Joe's car the whole race. Sargent, unfortunately, finished P18, which was uh, last besides the cars that DNF'd. Uh, so that was that was a bummer. He was also really upset 
um, with that contact. Uh, he was like, he was like, what the heck? And his engineer was like, head down, head down. Everybody saw it, but it was just still, the, I feel like the bad luck for Logan just keeps coming. Yeah, not a great weekend for them. Although I will say the only positive was that I guess James Vowles had a lot of free time on his hands given that Williams wasn't going to do anything crazy during the race. So he was like live on the pit wall with the commentators a lot of the race. So we got to hear from him. Okay, jumping into a little bit of news and headlines, we will talk some more about them as well when we do our Spain preview. A note here on the cranes that lifted the cars off the track. So this is something that we don't usually see, but because of the very unique layout of Monaco, the cranes really need to pull those cars super high in the air to get them off of the track. Toto said it was like Cirque du Soleil, and then Horner equated it to (laughs) looking up someone's skirt. (laughs) Um, but for both Lewis's Mercedes and Checo's Red Bulls, we got full frontal views of the car's underfloor, which is very, very rare. The floor design is super closely guarded because it's a major driver of that aerodynamic performance. But the teams overall didn't really seem too bother for too bothered because, like, to the naked eye, like us, it doesn't <laughs> reveal too much. But they, you know, I was doing some reading, and the big difference here was that Red Bull seems to have a much more detailed underfloor design than Mercedes which kind of makes sense given Toto's comments that like it's kind of worse for Red Bull to have theirs on display than theirs. Mm -hmm. Couple more headlines. So while it's a bit early to start talking about 2024 lineups, Toto did hint at Mick's future in an interview this week saying that, quote, it's a difficult situation and that maybe in 2025 some doors could open for him, even hinting at uh, at supporting a Williams seat for him, which would be interesting. So We'll see. Stay tuned on mixed future. And then last thing, we'll talk about this in our Barcelona preview, but the track layout, as we mentioned, is going to be reverting to its old form with the removal of the final sector chicane. It was supposed to facilitate more overtaking at the beginning and end of the straight, but it actually just ended up slowing cars down. So I think everybody is rejoicing about that. I think it'll be really fun to see. So to wrap up, radio of the week, I'm speechless. I'm speechless, guys. That was <laughs> Ocon's radio after his podium finished. And then I think the runner-up in a completely different vein is Yuki saying, are you trying to crash me to his team? <laughs> so driver's standings, we have Max absolutely dominant with 144, Checo at 105, Alonso at 93, Hamilton at 69, and then Russell at 50. And then rounding at the bottom is Sainz 48, Leclerc 42, Stroll 27, Ocon with 21, and then Gasly at 14. And for the constructors, we have Red Bull with a whopping 249, (laughs) Aston Martin with 120, Mercedes with 119, Ferrari at 90, Alpine 35, McLaren 17, and then Haas 8, Alfa Romeo 6, Alfa Tari 2, and Williams with a lonely 1. So. With that, hope you enjoyed the Monaco recap and we'll see you soon for the Barcelona preview.